Welcome to the Dwelling Place Church audio podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We pray God speaks to you today through this message and through his word. For more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. Now, it's time to listen to this week's message. Missions March Beyond the 52. And for some of our older saints, we're not talking about just the years beyond age 52. We're, we're talking about what happens beyond the 52 Sundays of the year. That God wants to move us beyond just what happens in here 52 times a year. With that being said, if you were fortunate enough to receive a sermon card, I want to read two passages of Scripture up front, one from the Old Testament and one from the New Testament. The first there is Numbers 10.28. If you didn't receive a sermon card and you want one, you can put your hand in the air. You'll be served at this time. But Numbers 10 and verse 28. Thus was the order of March. Notice that. The order of March of the children of Israel. According to their armies, when they began their journey. Then Mark chapter 6 verse 6. And he, Jesus, marveled because of their unbelief. Then he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. I want to preach a message today titled, The Order of March. The Order of March. And before I do, I want to pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that name's above every name. I ask Holy Spirit that on the authority of that name and his blood and his body that was broken that minds and lives would be liberated today in Jesus' name. That, Father, the hearts and minds, the homes, the marriages, Lord, of people would be charged in a new way from this day forward. Holy Spirit, I yield to you. Reveal Jesus. Make much of Him. We exist for His good pleasure, for His will, for His purpose. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One of our eight core values here at Dwelling Place in this community of followers of Jesus is maturity journey. Will you say that with me? Maturity journey. This speaks to the truth that every believer, listen to me, not some, not young or old, every believer or every follower of Jesus is led on a journey for the purpose of being conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. In fact, Pastor Craig kicked us off last week in this series, and uh, he used this scripture, and I want us to look at it again, Luke 6 and 40. Jesus' teaching, he says, A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. What he's saying is, is that as a follower of Jesus, we are called to be like Jesus, our teacher. And notice it says we are to be perfectly trained. What does this mean? To be perfectly trained means to be completely trained. It means to be mature. For the use of the word perfect in Scripture always represents the idea of maturity or the completion of a process in an area. Now some of you might be thinking, I know, you're saying, Pastor Chad, now wait a minute. I've been in the church my entire life, young boy. Young whippersnapper. Hold on, I'm in one of those moods today, so we're going we're gonna to go on a fast roller coaster. 
wait a minute now, I've read through the Bible many times. I've even fasted. Healthy food, that is. I fasted. I have my Sunday school pins. Perfect attendance. You want to talk about perfectly trained? Perfect attendance. Look at my pins. VBS pins didn't miss one. There every time. They have puppets even made in my image now. I'm trained. Pastor Chad, I'm trained. No, no, listen. You're trained, but are you fully trained? There's areas you're trained, sure, in seeing Jesus clearly and knowing His ways and His will, but but are you fully trained? Are you perfectly trained? Because the call for those who are followers of Jesus is not just to be trained, it's to be fully trained. Fully trained. And for born-again children of God to be fully trained on this journey, they must, number one, follow Jesus. Say, psh, knew that, knew that. What else you got? Well, listen, it's easy to know something. It's a lot more difficult to actually do it. And when we see there in your card, if you have one, the first blank there is follow Jesus. And when we talk about follow Jesus, we're not talking about a one-time event. We're not talking about just confessing Jesus as Lord, being water baptized, and it's it. No, we're talking about consistently following Jesus, who, by the way, is not a myth, a legend, an idea, a cartoon. He's living Lord who overcame death and everything and anything we could ever face outside of God's will. He's the victorious one. He is the overcomer. All things were made through Him and exist for Him. Follow Jesus. Secondly, listen and hear Jesus. For born-again children of God to be fully trained on this journey, they must follow Jesus, not a one-time event, but keep following Jesus, and they must listen and hear Jesus. In fact, did you know that a fruit or evidence that someone is still following Jesus, still listening to Him, still learning from Him, still being taught by Him, is demonstrated by the degree that they are putting off the old life and putting on the new life. This is what Paul tells the church in Ephesus. In Ephesians 4.20, he says, But you have not so learned Christ. If indeed, if indeed you have heard Him, have been taught by Him, as the truth is in Jesus. That you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, the new humanity, the new creation, which was created according to God, God's image in true righteousness and holiness. By the way, that's why we as a community are gathering people not to a denomination or to a person. We're gathering people to Jesus because Paul says, that people have to learn Christ and they must follow Him and learn to hear Him and learn to be taught by Him. Notice this, that for believers and followers, the truth is in Jesus. Now this is hard for us Western minds at times to understand because we think there's just truth. But the devil quoted truth, God's Word, but it was intended to bring death. So truth by itself doesn't guarantee that we have learned Christ. It's truth 
that is heard and received and learned within the context, a relational context, with a living Lord, Jesus Christ. It's truth in the context of relationship. See, Christ, He's substance. He's life. There's a substance to Christ. There's a weightiness to Christ. And notice that to actually learn Christ is putting off the old and putting on the new. And for that to happen, notice it takes following Him. It takes listening and being taught by Him. So simply put, yet not so easily lived, to be fully trained on this journey, we must one, follow Jesus. Two, we must listen and hear Jesus. And then thirdly, we must exercise what we know. Blink, there is exercise. See, hearing Him doesn't guarantee we are learning Him. Because you can hear truth, but when you disconnect it from a relational context of following Him, you're not actually learning Christ. Because Christ is God's wisdom. He's not just knowledge. He's the understanding and the application of God's reality and God's will. You know why hearing Him doesn't guarantee we're learning from Him? Because believe it or not, He says things that you can't learn why He said it until after you obey it. Oh, if my children could understand that. I say things they can't understand until they obey it. And it's the same with Jesus. And so you can't actually learn Christ just by hearing about Him or just by reading Scripture and that being the end of all. No, it's actually then by exercising, putting to use what it is you have heard that then and only then can you truly understand Christ and why He said it in the first place. In fact, as followers of Jesus on this journey of following Him, we should all consistently be looking back and say, Oh my goodness, now I see why He asked me to do that. Now I see why Jesus teaches us that. At the time I had no clue. At the time I had no idea. But after I obeyed it, now I understand why He teaches that. Why He says that. That it really is true that His thoughts are higher than our thoughts and His ways are way higher than our ways. Now, if you're familiar with Scripture and you've been around here for a good bit of time, you've probably come to hear that all of the Old Testament like those Old Testament books, Genesis through Malachi, that they were written as a type or foreshadowing of substance and fulfillment we would find in Christ and in the New Covenant. And one of the things you read about in the Old Testament is about God's dealing with Israel. In Numbers 10.28, one of our main verses says, Thus was the order of march of the children of Israel when they began their journey. Interesting statement there. And when you look at Israel, you find that, you know what they called when someone exercised or used what it is they heard or had learned was God's will for them? They called it keeping the charge of the Lord. When a person in the nation of Israel heard and learned one of God's ways, 
and His will for them, and they exercised obedience and putting to use what it is they heard and learned, they called that keeping the charge of the Lord. Now that might not mean anything to you, but it does to me. Because not keeping the charge of the Lord has cost me money before. My beautiful wife, by the way, y'all should be... um, Let me just say this. I believe Pastor Craig and I, we feel very loved by this community. I hear often appreciation. I'm so great for your expression of appreciation for me. But you should never allow your expression of appreciation for me to outdistance your expression of appreciation for my wife. There is no me without her, for one. And there is no DP currently without her. So be sure, if you haven't in a while, to express your gratitude and thankfulness to her. Not in the middle of my sermon, my goodness. <laughs> but you know, I, I have had to eventually give in and yield to the exhortation, suggestion, beautiful influence for my beautiful bride of buying her a new camera. Not because the camera she had looked messed up, didn't take pictures, didn't work, was outdated, but watch this, because it couldn't keep its charge. It wasn't that the new camera that we purchased for her was like so much better in taking pictures or looked so distinct from the one we already had. It was that the new one could keep its charge. Some of you, you've went and spent $700, $800, I don't know what they cost nowadays, but you've had to buy a new iPhone. Not because the one you had was no longer compatible with Instagram and Facebook and keeping your calendar and texting and and FaceTime, but because it wouldn't keep its charge. Some of you are enslaved to a computer. You're chained up every day for hours. You can only move four feet from a wall. Because your computer won't keep its charge. Stays plugged in. It's me as well, baby. I know. It's both of us. It's like jump rope in the house. You got to jump over that cord, you know, praying every kid and the dog jumps over the rope. Don't don't hit the rope. You're going to unplug the computer. (laughs) In the nation of Israel, it's as they obeyed, they kept the charge. What this means for you and I as followers of Jesus is if we cannot disobey following Jesus and what He tells us and speaks to us and we learn of Him and stay charged. It's only as you and I, as we exercise what we know that we keep the charge. We keep experiencing the power of His might, the zeal of the Lord for the will of God, the strength of Jesus. Now when you read about the nation of Israel, you read that God brought them He brought the descendants of Israel out of slavery and bondage in Egypt by mighty signs and wonders. And he completely humiliated the trusted strongholds and gods of the world and the nation of Egypt around them by the hand of Moses. And he leads them to Mount Sinai, which was God's mountain of choice. And there they're at this mountain and God begins to tell Moses, Hey, come, come up this mountain and meet with me. Moses begins to meet with God. In fact, you you read in the text that they start asking, Hey, where's Mo?" Has anybody seen Mo? You know that, that old guy that, that has that stick and 
and he points it at water and it splits. Anybody say no? Because they're at, they're like, where'd he go? Because he's spending time up on God's mountain. And God begins to reveal to him the pattern for their life and how they are to relate to him and relate to others and to build a nation that honors him according to his design. And do you know a large portion of what God commanded them was in regards to making a tabernacle that had a specific pattern that God revealed to Moses so that God could get close to his people in the old covenant. And so Moses would go up and God would show him the pattern and talk to him about the pattern and what God wanted for this nation and, and their relationship with him and others and building this nation. And then Mo would, I mean Moses would come back and he would then start telling the people. And so here is this nation of Israel who is completely removed from all that they've known. A life of bondage. A life of living under Pharaoh. How many of you remember a life of living under the kingdom of darkness and the oppression and the slavery of Satan and sin? And yet, here they are. Watch this. This is amazing. They're no longer in Egypt, but they still don't know all that God has for them. That's some of us today. We, we, we know we're not in sin. We know Jesus is our Lord. We know we've transferred out of the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. But we still don't know what God has for us. Some of us, that's not the case. We do know. You've been sitting here for a long time learning and hearing God's pattern, hearing Jesus' will for your life, learning God's Word. Some of you are in growth phases and you're just being imparted the truth and the understanding of Jesus as our pattern in the new covenant. But there comes a time that we have to realize God brought them out to take them in. He brought them out of Egypt because He wanted to take them in to a promised land that God had a new life available for them. Now here's the amazing thing. Do you know how long they stayed at the mountain listening and learning and hearing about God's pattern? Two years, two years, one month, and one day. Well, that's interesting. God brought them out to take them into a promised land, a better way of living. A life of living under His reign, under His goodness, under His will. God brought them out of Egypt to take them in. And he's, they're out of Egypt, but they're sitting, staying at a mountain for two years, one month, and one day. Doing nothing but learning and listening and hearing to this pattern that God had revealed to Moses how to make the tabernacle, what the priestly garments should look like, necessary utensils, two years, one month, and one day. You know what this tells me? It tells me as followers of Jesus, we're vulnerable to no longer be in sin and no longer be in Egypt and to start trying to march towards what God's spoken over our life and the promised land He has for us and towards the promises He has, and yet we don't know how to get there. What it tells me is that we have an inclination to move ahead of the Lord. We have an inclination to start running after what God's spoken and said over our life without first yet sitting and receiving the way and the word and the knowing of how God wants us to get there or what type of people He wants us to be along the process of getting there or what type of people we must be once we get there. And so He's got this nation just sitting 
two years, one month, one day, listening to this new way of living under his reign. How to relate to God, how to relate to others. And then it comes to Numbers 10 and 13. So they started out for the first time according to the command of the Lord by the hand of Moses. They're out of Egypt and they've not even moved forward on this journey of getting to the promised land that God had for them. They've just been camped out. And then they start for the first time moving towards what God says, I've made possible. And this brings up the issue, Roman number one, of the cloud. Scripture wants us, before it even describes the rest of the journey that God leads the nation of Israel in, wants us to be very clear that the people as they moved forward towards what God had declared He had for them and prophesied about them and promised to them, that they didn't move forward on their own inclination. That they weren't moving forward just based on how they felt. And, and I, oh, I, spontaneous. Woo, I bet the Lord wants to move this way. Or let me say, mm, the wind's blowing east. I bet we're to go east today. Or, oh, my goodness. No, 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 no. Listen, the, the Scripture wants us to be very clear about the cloud. Numbers 9 and 17, it said, Whenever, only whenever the cloud was taken up from above the tabernacle, after that the children of Israel would journey. And in the place where the cloud settled, there the children of Israel would pitch their tents. At the command of the Lord, the children of Israel would journey, and at the command of the Lord they would camp. You see it? See the thing? As long as the cloud stayed above the tabernacle, they remained encamped. And at the command of the Lord, they remained encamped. And at the command of the Lord, you see it? They journeyed. They kept the charge of the Lord. At the command of the Lord by the hand of Moses, the cloud led them. You know, the cloud was called the cloud of the Lord. You know why? Because it was the manifest presence of God's Spirit among His people in the Old Testament. And what the... Scripture is making sure we understand about this journey towards the promised land is that when the presence of God's Spirit would settle in a place, the nation of Israel would set up camp and stay there as long as the Lord stayed there. And when the presence of God's Spirit was taken up, then they would journey following after the presence of the Lord. And notice what the text says, that their obedience to following the presence of God's Spirit, the cloud, was called keeping the charge. As long as they followed the clouds leading, they were keeping the charge of the Lord. Then in Numbers 10.28, we come to the time that after two years, one month and one day, the cloud lifts. But before it lifts, God says, you're about to march forward. You're about to march on mission. You're about to move forward in the journey I have to you and move you closer to the promises that I have for you and the promised land I have for you. But here's the thing you got to understand. There's an order to the march. When the cloud gets up and starts moving, it's not everybody for themselves. Who can get there first? No, no, there was an order. And here's what Numbers 10, 28, Thus was the order of march of the children of Israel when they began their journey. Notice there was an order for their marching. And you know what the order for the marching was? God said, very clear, Judah must go first. There were the 12 tribes of Israel, and God said, once the cloud lifts and begins to move, Judah's got to go first. You know what Judah meant? Praise. Praise. God said, there's an order to keep the charge, to keep the charge of the Lord, and the order is, is Judah, praise has got to go first. 
So here's the nation of Israel. They're listening, they're hearing, they're learning the pattern, and now they're going to follow the cloud of the Lord. They're being trained, trained to march, trained to march on missions, trained to follow the Lord in and through the cloud, and they're being trained to understand Judah praise must go first. Many of you, you've been having the Lord teach you. You've been listening and you've been hearing and you've been here getting sermons and getting growth phases and you're in connect groups and you're wrestling with how to flesh out and live out what God has been saying to you and learning the pattern of Jesus for His new covenant people. And now it's time just for some of you to make the journey and make your first step in missions march. For some of you, it's time for missions week to take the first step and be involved some aspect of missions week. But notice there's an order. There's an order. So often we know what God has declared and what God says He has for us, but we don't know where to start. It's like me when my beautiful wife sends me to the grocery store. I mean, she gives me a wonderful list. She's very detail-oriented. I mean, there's no lack on her communication to me. The problem is, is when I show up at this big supermarket, Where do I start? I know what I'm trying to get. I know what I'm trying to attain. I know what I'm trying to leave with. But what owl do I start at? I need a pattern. And here's where Israel's at. They were brought out to be taken in, but where do they start? For you and I, where do we start exercising what we know? How do we start out on our journey on marching on mission just like Israel was starting out to march on mission in the journey that God had for them? What is to be the order of our march? What's to be the first step in our march forward? This leads us to the issue of circuits. Now, if you're not aware, Jesus is our Moses. For those of us that are followers of Jesus and live now in the day we live under the new covenant, Jesus is our Moses. Jesus went up on the mountain and He received from the Father. God's instruction and pattern for this new community that He was created. In fact, just like Moses went up on a mountain, when Jesus was starting His new community of followers, He went up on a mountain. The people sat down and it said He began to teach them. And you know what one of the key things He began to teach them, the primary things? He said, you gotta, if you're going to follow Me, you've got to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Oh, that sounds just like the Old Testament. For them to know where to start, on following Jesus, where to move on mission, what to do for their life. In the Old Testament, they had to follow the cloud. Jesus says the same thing. For you to start following me, for you to move forward in what the reign of God and the will of God and the kingdom of God desires for you, you got to first prioritize seeking first the kingdom. You say, well, what's the kingdom? Well, Paul said very clearly in Romans 14, 17, it's not what you eat and drink, but it's peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. What he's saying is, is you got to prioritize seeking The cloud or the presence of the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus' followers are to be seeking to follow first the Spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit. This leads us to our second verse in Mark 6 and verse 6. And he, Jesus, marveled because of their unbelief. Then he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. Notice that. In a circuit. Jesus was one who followed the Spirit of the Lord completely. And because He followed the Spirit of the Lord completely, He kept the charge of God completely. He was able always to hear what the Father was saying and He only said what the Father told Him to say and He only did what the Father showed Him to do. And Jesus as one who followed completely and sought first the kingdom of God, as one who was completely led by the Spirit of God, notice He was led to visit and go about the villages in a circuit. You know what that's called? A pattern of repetition. 
Jesus was led to go about the villages in a circle, in a circuit. You know what that means? Jesus had a schedule. That's why he's our high apostle. Apostle means sent one. The Father sent Jesus to the earth. And because the Father sent Jesus to the earth, Jesus came on earth with a mission. He wasn't here by happenstance. He wasn't here to do his own thing. He wasn't here to just, you know, ooh, today I feel like doing it. No, no, listen, he followed the cloud at all times. And the cloud led him to go about in a circuit. It means he had a schedule. And he marched on mission. He had an order to his march. It wasn't spontaneous. Jesus didn't sit down in the morning and say, you know what, guys? Let's do it the Old Testament ways. Let's get the lots out. It's like dice. And let's get a map out of the, of the region of Jerusalem. And let's cast the die and cast the lots. And let's see where we should go today. No, 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 no. Jesus followed completely the cloud. And the cloud led him to march on mission and to march in order. He had a circuit. He kept his charge. You know another circuit he had? What you're doing today. As much as modern Western Christianity wants to remove it, it's still there. Luke 4.16 said Jesus had a circuit. He had a habit. He had a custom that he went every Sabbath into the synagogue. He went among God's Old Testament people every week. Weekly. It was his custom. Let me talk about circuits. circuits. Jesus' circuit was his custom. It was his habit. See, when you think Jesus went about in a circuit, you got to understand Jesus went about, he had a custom to his life. He had a schedule. He had an order. And customs are circuits that God's power, goodness, kingdom, and Christ can be manifested through. It's like in electricity, a circuit board. A circuit board is an opportunity for power to be able to be demonstrated. Jesus' circuit, His custom, was an opportunity for God's power, His reign, His kingdom to be manifested. Now what does that mean for you and I today? It means this, that when we follow the Lord to live where we live, when we follow the Lord to have the job that we have, when we follow the Lord to be a part of this local church that He has for us, circuits will be established. You'll begin to shop at the same stores. You'll begin to visit the same gas stations. You'll begin to bank at the same bank. You'll begin to eat at the same restaurants. You'll begin to visit the same parks. If you have kids like we do, you'll begin to have kids that go to the same sports complex season after season, plays with kids season after season, You'll see and work with the same people day after day. You'll have the same mill person. You'll have the same FedEx person. Hopefully you'll have the same Amazon driver. If not, you'll have one miss the driveway, go down into the woods and get stuck like they did at my place. But nevertheless, you'll begin to have certain circuits, repetitious behaviors and patterns. Why is this important? Because this is where we're going to start. This is where we're going to start expressing some of us an aspect of Jesus we've never started expressing. We've never been fully trained in missional living. So circum speaks of customs and habits that we do. But listen, there's also another circuit that you take everywhere you go. The circuit of your personality. And some personalities are more schedule-oriented. And I know because the whole time I've been preaching about Jesus had a circuit, he had a schedule, he had a plan, like, bless God, yes, preach it, Pastor. Come on, my husband needs this. He thinks he just, you know, spontaneous. Oh, my sister in here. Oh, preach it, you know. 
Because you got a personality that's more scheduled. But there's also personalities that are more spontaneous oriented. But listen to me. I mean, they're just like a butterfly. Well, today, let's see what we're going to do. Woo! Yeah, over here. And listen. Normally, we fight the personality that's not like us. So you're like, come on, Pastor, preach on spontaneity. Come on. I mean, my, my husband, he's so tight, he's so much in a ritual. A ritual. Jesus came down in a big black hat and a cane. He wouldn't even know it to even follow him outside his ritual. No, no, listen, 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 listen. God has never said, though, the followers of Jesus are to be personality-led or to be Holy Spirit-led. When God began to give the order of the march to the nation of Israel, He didn't sit each tribe down and give them a personality profile. What Enneagram are you? No, no, no. He said there's an order to my march regardless of personality, regardless how I uniquely wired you. And when you see the cloud moving, regardless of personality, you got to get up and follow after the Lord. Follow after the Lord. And here's what I've learned personally. Can I talk about me personally? If I can't let God lead me in my circuit, my customs, my rhythms of life, then I won't let God lead me outside of my circuit, my personality. If I can't learn to trust and let the Lord lead me into what I weekly or monthly or daily, these customs I have, restaurants I visit, neighbors I see, people I talk to, if I can't trust the Lord to lead me in that consistency, then I will be unable to trust and let the Lord lead me outside what is inconsistent for me, something outside my personality. Listen, if you won't let God lead you in your consistent patterns and rhythms of life, you won't let God lead you outside of your personality. And if you won't let God lead you in your personality, you won't let God lead you outside of your personality and comfort zone. But Jesus followed the cloud. Jesus followed the Holy Spirit and He marched on mission and He went in a circuit. He had customs. He had a plan. He had a schedule. But did you also know that He also had spontaneous moments? Because He was led by the cloud. Remember the woman at the well in Samaria? When you read about the text in John 4.4, it said this. It says He needed to go through Samaria. It highlights that. But He didn't need to physically go through Samaria to get where He wanted to go. He needed to go because the cloud had moved. He was willing, even though he had circuits and he had a pattern that was the primary means that he kept the charge of the Lord and released the kingdom of God, he also was willing when the cloud said, change it up, step outside what's normal, step outside your normal rhythm, he was willing to follow the Lord and have spontaneous encounters with people and bring the kingdom to them. In fact, you'll actually notice if you'll read through the Gospels that when Jesus influenced larger numbers of people. That means when you add up the influence he had, he had more numerical influence within the circuits and customs he had. But when the Holy Spirit wanted to minister to one, you find that's when the spontaneous falling of the Holy Spirit happened. And it's not an either or, it's a both and for us as followers of Jesus. So here's the question that confronts us. Where are you in a circuit Daily, weekly, monthly, or yearly? Like what keeps showing up? 
as a habit, a pattern, a custom, a circuit every week or monthly or bi-weekly or quarterly or yearly. Because as Jesus modeled, these circuits are where you are to begin in exercising what you have now learned and know about Jesus. See, so many people say, I I know the Lord, or at least I hear pastors and people say, the Lord wants to use me. That if you can use anyone, you can use me. And I sing about it and I believe it, but where do I start? It's like a grocery store. I don't know where to start to get to what I'm to find and take. Listen, you start living missional within those circuits. That's where you start. And it's not just where you start. It's also anytime the Lord reveals a new aspect of Him, a new area that He now wants you to be trained in because you're not fully trained in, it's also within those circuits that you start trusting and exercising the new aspect of Jesus that you now know. Say, man, I I didn't know growing up that Jesus was as merciful as He is. Where do you start trusting to manifest that aspect of Jesus as mercy? You start within already the circuits, the customs, the habits that you already have. Why? Because then when people see a new manifestation coming through your life, they're going to be shocked. And they're going to say, wait a minute, I've never known you to be that way. And there's the opportunity to tell them, oh, it's because of the way. It's because of Jesus. It's because of His work of grace, His redemption. So here's what it means for you. Why don't you make note of, become self-aware, become conscious of the circuits that are already accustomed in your life. Weekly, daily, monthly, yearly. And this leads us then to the second question. Where do you need to do the work of? The work of what? Where do you need to do the work of being giving? Where do you need to do the work of being merciful? Where do you need to be the work, do the work of learning to listen? And empathize. Where do you need to do the work of being bold to declare what God has asked and told you to declare? Where do you need to do the work of learning to communicate your faith? See, Paul writes to the young minister Timothy in 2 Timothy 4 5, and he says, You, Timothy, be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Now, I get it because when you read that at surface level, it's very easy to conclude or come to a conclusion wrongly. It's very easy to conclude that do the work of evangelist is equals fulfilling his ministry. But that ain't the case. In fact, we have no other scriptural reference that ever says that Timothy was called to function as an evangelist. In fact, Timothy, at the time, he's in Ephesus. Ephesus, listen, was a big, growing, major city and already had a large, growing congregation. The gospel was blasting through strongholds and and, and, uh, generational curses and many were coming to the saving knowledge of Jesus. So they didn't need an evangelist because there was already a lot of people evangelized and saved. They needed someone to come and encourage and mature and comfort people in their new faith. Paul sends Timothy. 
a delegate of his church planning team. And while Timothy's there, Paul says, do the work of an evangelist. That's why he says, do the work of. For you to go be successful in your work, it takes a lot of intention and effort, don't it? It takes a lot of consciousness. But this whole time, probably uh, while you're here, unless I re- the Holy Spirit really pinpointed you something, you've been breathing the whole time and wasn't conscious of it. Then take effort and work. Why? Because it's a consistent rhythm and custom already in your life. So what are we seeing here? He's saying Timothy had to intentionally learn to do the work because he was not supernaturally gifted and empowered to have such an inclination. And why did he have to intentionally learn to do the work? Because listen to me. He's called like every other disciple to be fully trained like his teacher Jesus. And though he's not called to be an evangelist, he's called to be like Jesus. And Jesus was evangelistic. And therefore, we're called, even if we're not called to be an evangelist, we're called to be evangelistic. We're called to be ready in season and out to give a defense of our hope of Jesus and his return. And he calls it work of. So here's where we got to ask these questions to ourselves. Where do I lack development? Where do I need to grow in an aspect of who Jesus is and what Jesus does? Let me put it personal to you. Where do you lack development? Where do you need to grow in an aspect of who Jesus is and what Jesus does? Where do you lack maturity? Where do you lack being fully trained? Where do you need to do the work of blank to be trained in an aspect of Jesus? And here's where the two things collide. Here's the power question. How can you connect what you lack with what you repeat. How can you connect where you need to be more trained in an aspect of who Jesus is with your already consistent circuits and customs in your life? Now, may I suggest to you that it's there at that collision point? that the order of marching and moving forward towards what God has for you, His high calling, His promised land, that the order of marching and getting up and moving forward starts there. That the order of missional living starts there. In fact, I was reading some physics statements about circuits and and charge and electricity, and I came across this. It said, if the two requirements of an electric circuit are met, then charge will flow through the external circuit. It is said that there then is a current or a flow of charge. Here's what it means for you and I. When you see those two requirements, those questions collide, where do you lack and need to be fully trained in an aspect of who Jesus is? And where does that connect with circuits and customs you already have in your life? Once you answer that, there the charge is. Meaning, there Christ will manifest through you. There God and His Spirit will be working, will be moving in your job, in that store, in that bank, in that relationship in that conversation, and DP's vision of manifesting Christ in many ways to many people will be being fulfilled. 
I heard recently it's such a wonderful story in our community about one of our men's connect groups. They meet weekly, meet one day a week, and they meet at the same place every week. That's called a circuit, a custom. Because they're there weekly and one day every week in the same place, that's how God begins to order and align for kingdom or for Christ to be manifested. You've got to understand God does not control unbelievers like they're a puppet. So He wants to start us being missional within our circuits because that begins as we consistently get around people that He cares about, that Jesus died for and He wants to reveal Himself to. Defense mechanisms and things come down because familiarity begins to be established. And so they had the same waitress time and time again. Began to get to know this waitress and this waitress began to be comfortable with them and they found out that this waitress, a single mother, had a need. See, without that circuit, that need probably does not become conscious to the body of Christ. But when the body of Christ... You and I have a custom, and we're there. God can align and begin to work for such moments. I believe that single mother needed a refrigerator. And so that group got together because they were keeping the charge of the Lord and recognizing that how does God want to start missions march and living missional within their circuits, and they bought her a refrigerator. Come on, somebody. So you remember how Pastor Craig defined last week missional living? It's a posture in our culture where we are living and declaring the rule and reign of God in all of life. It's a posture. How do we begin to move forward in that posture? It starts within your circuits. Now if I were to evaluate the majority of us here today, I assess when I think about us, that the majority of us to be fully trained like our teacher Jesus, we need to be developed in the area of missional living. I know that was my story. Michelle, she's a, a PK. If you don't know what that means in church language, she's a pastor's kid. I grew up in a mainline denomination from the time I was born. We've both been around the church in the Bible Belt of America our entire lives. When, her, when Michelle and I got married, we both worked uh, in a mega church. Say, so what does that mean practically? It means whether I ever lived missional and talked to anybody else about Jesus or manifested Christ outside the church, I always had people or needs to minister to. That's what that means. So what that means is, is I lacked context, I thought, of developing or being fully trained in the missional living or aspect of Jesus. Well, that's great if you're in mega churches. But what about when you're called to plant a church in the Philippines? What about when you're called to plant a first of what you're believing for many dwelling places in Woodstock? You can't shepherd sheep if you have no sheep, friend. You can't teach God's word if you ain't got no one to teach. So the main thrusting need and aspect of Jesus is to be missional. To move beyond the 52 
weeks and Sundays and gatherings and connect and meet people and have a posture of manifesting the reality of the kingdom of God, Jesus. I remember as God began to teach us this about circuits and keeping charge and began to show me how to start exercising what I now knew of Him, of being missional and the need and aspect of Jesus and how to begin to attach it to circuits. I went to the bank every week. And there's a, a young Hispanic girl who many times would check me out and, and uh, most tellers... Are, yeah, check me out, yeah. Not that way, no, no. Not that way. She, she was married. Wait the whole story. Hold on. Uh, I don't know what that's called, but do my transactions. You know what I'm saying? So, and most bank tellers, they'll normally ask like a one sentence question. Like, how are you? Or how's your day been? Or how's your week? Or what's going on? And God began to show me within this circuit, there's a chance to charge that moment with the missional manifestation and aspect of Jesus. So I just started over a series of weeks and months. They'd ask that question. I'd just say, oh, it's so good to know the mercy of Jesus. That's it. And then we do it and I leave. Next time, oh, how's it going? Oh, I'm so thankful that Jesus has forgiven my past and all the mistakes I've made. Over a course, just mentioning the name of Jesus and praising Jesus in an already existing circuit and custom. So, long story short, one day I'm going in to discipleship. And I look to my left, and here is that young teller, her husband and her daughter, walking in to the church right beside me. I said, oh my, what, what are you doing? Oh, I'm here to be a part of the discipleship. See how that happened? It happens when you start seeing your current circuits and customs as a way for God's power and goodness to manifest and you start living out and exercising the missional DNA that God's given us to talk about Jesus and His goodness and His praise be upon our lips. I remember when we first began the process of planting this church that I was preaching this sermon one Sunday called Dove's Eyes. And it was within March Missions. And we were talking about how the Holy Spirit, we need to have the Holy Spirit dove eyes to, to see the missional opportunities around us. And I preached out of the Good Samaritan text. Now, this is back in the days, by the way, that I had to go the day before, rent a truck from U-Haul. No one in the church had a truck. We had a trailer. I'd have to go on Saturday, rent a truck, get up Sunday, drive the truck to where the trailer was at, hitch it up, bring it, unload everything. Guess who put the flags out? Guess who put the signs out? It was I. Then, get everything set up, full church, full kids ministry. Michelle and them, they had jumpies. They had, I mean, all kinds of stuff set up, run the sound, everything. Preach, minister, then tear it all down and be out by a certain time. Let's just put it, that's an that's a, a easy way of saying I was exhausted. <laughs> but I always went home the same way. And I just preached this message called Dove's Eyes. And I'm on the way home, and I see this guy walking down the sidewalk. At that time, we met at J.J. Daniel when we set up toward on every week. And he had a big bag, duffel bag, and he was pulling two suitcases. 
One suitcase, the wheel had already fallen off, so he's dragging it. He's sweating because it was a warm time of the year. And instantly, see, I just preached about the priest and the Levite missed their chance to experience the blessing of being used with the missional influence and aspect of Jesus. And my heart, here's your chance. You're tired. You preach. You bless people. But here's your chance. And I said, God, if you make it, there's traffic. I get over there. And sure enough, God made a way. I pulled right in front of me. He's walking right towards me. I said, where are you going? He said, I'm going to Canton. I thought, well, I'm not. (laughs) That was the devil, but he tries to put thoughts in our mind. I said, what's been going on? He said, look, it's a long story. I work out of state. I took a, a guy in, took a bus to Atlanta. I've been on a journey just trying to make it back. He stayed with his sister in Canada. I said, hop in, dude. Threw his stuff in, drove him. I didn't walk him through the Roman road. I didn't, I didn't give him a hermeneutics course. I, I didn't say, you know what, I'm going to pick you up now that I know where you're staying and bring you to dwelling place next week. I didn't say, by the way, you've been working. Have you tithed yet on that money? I just said, listen, all I need you to understand, I gave him my car. If you ever need anything, we're here. If not, no big deal. Secondly, I picked you up because Jesus led me to pick you up. This is his goodness. That's it. It's seeing within the existing circuits. Come on, man. The opportunities to keep the charge of the Lord, to be fully trained and start exercising missional living. So let's conclude talking about the charge. You know the sun keeps its circuit every day, even when we can't see it because of rain and clouds. But you know this, the sun, even though every day it keeps its circuit, it has never complained. Because God didn't create it with the ability to complain, but that's not you and I. We have the ability to complain as we go about our circuits. Now listen to me. When we complain going about our circuits, we charge the areas God sent us to be missional with the wrong spirit. You see it in Israel. The nation of Israel repeatedly complained on their journey. And they didn't stay charged. They didn't march on mission. And the majority of that generation, all that generation, didn't make it to the promised land and what God had for them. See, listen to me. Complaining will deplete you. It will distract you. It will defeat you. It will drain and discourage you and those around you as well. The only friend long-term you'll get if you're a complainer is the devil. Because the devil loves complaining. Because he can take your complaints in your tongue and begin to just bring and wreak all kinds of hell and havoc in your life. But in Numbers 10 and 13, you remember our text? So they started out for the first time according to the command of the Lord by the hand of Moses. And who had to start out? Judah! We start filling our circuits, not with complaining like everybody else does, but we fill our circuits with the praise in the name of Jesus on our lips. See, here's the amazing thing. Is every other tribe that walked behind Judah experienced the fragrance Judah left. And that's why Paul said that we're like a fragrance to those that are perishing. But that's only if we got the right charge upon our mouth. That even in our circuits, even in our rhythms, that we keep the praise of God in the name of Jesus on our lips. That everywhere we go, people that come behind us, they walk in the fragrance of the praise in the name of Jesus that's above every name. Judah went first, and that's how 
You want to start moving first on your journey? Then you got to get Judah. You got to get praise in your mouth. You got to get the complaining out. And you got to start praising God, not for where He's taking you. And, 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 and I mean, not praise God because you're not where He's taking you, but praise God for what He's done, already done, and what He's doing now. You got to praise Him for what you do have and not complain Him for what you don't have. And listen, you say, no, no, that's you, Pastor. That's you. You're the praise team. No, 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 this is a church. Where everybody here is the praise team. Because the praise has got to go first for missional living. One story in the Old Testament is Moses was carrying the burden by himself. It was too much, too much for the people. And God said, the spirit that's on you, I'm going to take off you and I'm going to put it on 70 people. Well, two of them didn't show up. They were still in the tents. And when the spirit of God came upon them, they started prophesying in the camp. And a young boy said, that ain't right. He got zealous. He ran the most. He said, there's two guys prophesying like you in the camp. And Moses was like, it's okay, man. This thing's not about me. You know what Moses said? Oh! That God would put His Spirit on all His people. That's the day we live in. That's the fulfillment of the new covenant is that now God pours out His Spirit on all His people. Don't matter if you're a pastor, an evangelist, a teacher. Don't matter what you're called to. We're all called. We all have the Spirit of God upon us. We're all to have Judah and praise upon our lips. And God can use us all to prophesy wherever we go in our circuits. You say, what's prophecy? That's Chad. The testimony of Jesus. Just say the name Jesus and just give Him glory in your circuits. Let praise go before and watch God start changing hearts. Watch bondages and blinders start coming off the minds of people because now everybody else that comes in that classroom, everybody else that comes in that bank, everybody else that comes in that supermarket, they come in the presence and the fragrance of the praise of Jesus that you left. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you would like more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.com dot org.